Thank you. Oh, give me some highs. Thank you. Thank you. Before our actual forum presentation, we're going to have a presentation on the ICFG, which is a way of going as well. It's just domestically going. So we have uh, Sam, Laura, and Josiah. Thank you. Um, so first off, uh, thanks for everyone coming to the presentation. Um, just to quickly explain what the ICFG is. So ICFG, International Christian Fellowship Group. Basically, um, everyone has their own CFG or youth group um, in your local churches. But the, the ICFG's goal is to uh, bring those youth groups together, those, uh, all that, the youth together, and to form kind of one big international cross-border um, youth group. So we have four uh, kind of mission points or uh, goals. So to encourage personal, personal spiritual growth in the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ, um, to promote Christian fellowship among all members and friends of the ACC in North America, to unite the local church into an, into an international organization, organization for the purpose of facilitating sorry, concerned action, to assist in the exchange of information and ideas to improve the youth programs of local churches. So um, my next couple slides are going to kind of show what we're doing um, to kind of meet, meet these goals. And if you guys ever have any suggestions or comments, things that you say, I like what you're doing, but maybe you could do it a little better by doing it this way, please feel, feel, feel free to come see us afterwards. We'd love to hear your suggestions and your ideas. So one thing that we do, kind of like what our main staple, what we're, what we're kind of most known for, are workshops. So in 2019, we, ha we, ha we have three workshops planned. Two of them already happened, one in uh, La Puente, one in Portland, and then Lord willing, in October, we'll be having one in Richmond Hill, Ontario, Canada. Who's, who's been to a So now you, now you guys know who you are. You can all come out. We're all looking forward to seeing you in Richmond Hill. Um, another thing that uh, the ICFG was, uh, did a lot of back in my day, and it's kind of tapered off when you like to bring it up again, is doing youth retreats. So kind of renting out a, a, a youth camp or a campus, um, not obviously as big as EMU, um, but to have a, a, a retreat to focusing on a certain topic. So... Um, uh, last year, uh, the topic was, was leadership, leading through service, and Lord willing, in 2020, we'll have another uh, uh, workshop planned somewhere in Ontario. Um, another thing we're doing is uh, it's called Operation Prayer. Basically, uh, this is headed up by uh, Jennifer Jivin from Norton. Um, it's uh, um, we all know that prayer is very important in our spiritual growth. It's our it's where we are able to connect through God. Um, through prayer and through our, our reading our Bible. And so uh, what Jennifer does is she puts together a monthly news, kind of a newsletter or a short um, kind of a topic of what um, we can all be praying for um, that month, whether it be a certain mission or maybe there's, you know, some uh, big tsunami in, in, um, in some foreign country that we can pray for the, the, those who are affected and those are the first responders. Um, so if you would like to learn more about... Um, the Operation Prayer, or any of these, uh, these um, um, different things that we do, uh, feel free to visit our website at www.icfg.org. We also have Facebook and, and Instagram as well. Um, another cool thing that we're doing um, in the ICFG, and this kind of goes with the, uh, the theme of Go Ye Therefore, is the Homestay Program. So um, um, if it was formerly known as the Japanese Homestay Program, but basically what it is is um, uh, we connect you, um, you and your family, with a foreign exchange student, and they come over and they live with you, with your family. You kind of adopt them um, for a couple months, and um, they, as they go to school, you learn more about them. They learn about you. You learn kind of their cultures, and um, and you're and this is a great way where you can you're able to share the love of Jesus from your own couch, so to speak. Actually, the Bargas had uh, Kokoro, I think her name was. They had a wonderful. Alyssa's nodding her head, so. Another cool thing, and this is kind of my pet project, um, um, is a resource library. So when I first became um, CFG chairman, um, I was like, cool, I get to kind of influence change in our youth, but 
And, but then I realized that I'm not really that great at preparing things, Bible study material and stuff. And so I saw a need that, like, hey, we have all these youth, different youth groups across um, North America, and every, every week a youth group is putting together uh, Bible study material, Bible class material. Why don't we find a, a centralized place for all this so we can share ideas and, and, and thoughts? So um, what I've started here is um, a resource library where um, if you're... Um, uh, if, it's, it's geared to more um, uh, CFG chairman or people in leadership, but if, you are, if you're interested in a topic, if, you, if you're interested in, in, um, in something, we also have some past presentations, Eastern Camp presentations, other youth presentations that you're more than willing to um, look up. You can download, you can go through. There's notes, pictures, all that stuff. We also have some cool stuff about um, our church history. Some of you, I've, I've gotten the question before, like, like, okay, ACC is, you know, that's the that's great, but like, like, where did they come from? Like, what, what who's that Samuel Froelich guy? Who who are we? So a great place to go to um, uh, find some resources. And if if you are already presenting um, stuff in your church and uh, would like to share, please feel free to email us um, or, uh, or come up to me and I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you a way to, to get your information over. Um, so an, another thing, the last thing that I'm going to touch on here is Camp Memory Verse Contest. So this, been, this has been going on since as long as I can remember. And basically it's um, um, a contest where uh, there's 250 verses um, where you, um, it's a list of verses where you go through and you memorize and recite them. And there's different prizes based on how many you're able to recite at the end of the summer. Um, the grand prize being a free uh, uh, trip to one of our ACC church camps, whether it be Eastern Camp, Western Camp, Midwest Camp. Um, so um, i just like to uh, take a, a minute here to acknowledge all the hard work uh, that's been done across uh, all the different uh, participants here. Um, so for first place, we've got uh, Riley Varga, Alyssa Varga, Colin Varga, theme going on there, and then Johanna Reinhardt. Uh, no, there was no bias in, uh, in when I took her, her uh, results. Uh, second place, we had Caleb Taba and Erica Taba. And third place, we had... Uh, sorry, Erica Izakov. And third place, we had Grayson Eppinger, Sylvia Denzinger, Haley Isakov, Lauren Isakov, and Miriam Denzinger. Um, Thank you, everyone, for participating, and, and I know it's a lot of uh, hard work. Um, I uh, always attempted the Camp Memory Verse contest. I only won third prize. But for those who are able to memorize all 250 verses, um, you, you have my uh, uh, respect. For those of you who are mentioned up here who um, won a prize or you see a family member who's, who wins, who, who's eligible for a prize, please see Laura Tack. She's our treasurer, and she will uh, uh, give you your uh, your uh, checks. You want to add anything? No, I think we're good on time. Cool. All right, guys, got more questions about ICG, come see us. Yeah, we're more than willing to, to, to talk to you all. Thank you very much. Just so you know, this young man climbed the left wall of the gym uh, rock wall yesterday. So it's very impressive, very impressive. Very humble. Yes. He deserves that. He deserves that, despite what our forum is about. Um, so before we begin with our forum, let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your blessings, Lord. We thank you for this week at camp where we can really dig into your word, that we can be focused and not distracted by so many things in our lives, Lord. We thank you for each one that has come. We thank you for those that who know you as Lord and Savior, and we thank you for those who don't know you as Lord and have the opportunity to make that choice this week. We pray a blessing on this time that we have together to look into your word and understand the idea of pride and what that means to us and how that affects us. pray that we would take that to heart and understand how egregious it is in your sight, Lord. We just thank you for all your blessings and pray that you, all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't introduce myself. We are Philip Reinhardt. It makes it easy. Um, before we actually talk about the topic at hand, I just had a question for you all. If you were God, and you're not, so if you were, what would be the worst sin you could think of? Blasphemy? Anything else? 
Greed. Greed? Okay. Others? There's a lot of bad things out there. Murder, betrayal, adultery, hatred. Well, you're just answering. I was waiting for someone to say that. Pride, okay. Do you really believe that? If you were God, you would think that's the worst sin, pride? Seems pretty mild. But okay, we'll take that as your answer. Anyone else? Idol worship, very good. Sometimes in idol worship, they murdered children. They gave children titles and had them sacrificed. Murdering children seems like a really big one on my list. Um, so our topic at hand is pride, though. And um, it's interesting how this week a lot of the topics and things that were said, um, we've never worked together, by the way, as you can tell. There might be a little friction between us and the issues. That's okay. We'll work through it. A lot of the things that have been said already in Inspiration Hours and in some of the classes have been about pride, have been about things that we had planned on discussing, and and either that's the work of the Holy Spirit, or some people have had access to our Google uh, documents. We don't know which one. We we assume it's the Holy Spirit. Um, But the Titanic, we mentioned, was mentioned on Sunday night. Titanic was a huge, massive, indestructible boat. And on its first voyage, um, as you know, it crashed into an iceberg and sunk. Now, one of, the light, uh, one of the members on board had said God himself couldn't sink this ship. And it was believed that it was unsinkable. And yet on the first journey, it sank. They only had uh, 20 lifeboats on when it could fit 64, enough for everyone. But they only had 20 because they didn't want to look unpleasant. They wanted to look as its best look that they could have. And yet because of all of this, 1,500 people died as a result of pride. Pride in man's accomplishment that really was not man's accomplishment. (laughs) There you go. So if you think 1,500 people are a lot to die at one time because of pride, that's really not. The biggest slaughter ever because of pride is is way bigger than that, and we're going to discuss that because the biggest slaughter was based on pride in every man's life. All right, so who in here knows someone with a pride issue? All right. Uh, Is it one of us up in the front? (laughs) You can be on there. Yeah, Luke's hand went up. It's still good. All right, good. Um, Who has a pride issue themselves? All right, good, good. That's impressive. Honesty. So just real quick, we want to define pride. So... What is pride as the world sees it, as a dictionary definition? So I have two here. A high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct, etc. Or pleasure or satisfaction taken in something done by or belonging to oneself or believed to reflect credit upon oneself. So we see very clearly based on these definitions that pride is incredibly focused on yourself, on me. So what does the world say about pride? Yeah. Um, So the the world says pride is good. Um, The world says do everything on your own, be your own person, achieve success, riches, fame, be proud of yourself. Um, we see in, in the music industry and in pop culture how evident the idea of pride and, and wanting to do everything for yourself and be great and, and be like God, um, how evident that is and how, how our, our world is shaped in this mindset of we all need to focus on ourselves, focus only on me and succeed for myself. In fact... If you Google the word pride, this is what you get on the right, which is, you know, pride is bad. Um, but it's even been made worse because it's been hijacked by the LGBT community and, and taken pride as their motto, as their uh, main word that they go by. And, and I, I, 
tried to understand why that is. I read somewhere someone said, if the poison is shame, which they believe that they lived under shame, um, then the antidote is pride, and that's why pride is their word that they go under, um, which is really interesting because um, they are living in a lifestyle that, according to God's word, is a lifestyle of shame. Shame is, is what God puts in our hearts so we know when we're doing something wrong. Shame is a good thing when we are doing things against God's word. That We should feel shame. We should feel horrible and bad and convicted of sin. Um, so shame is not bad when you're doing something wrong. Of course, our world today has said what they're doing is not bad, but we know God's word says differently. Um, so, but they've taken pride and now upon their sin, which they've now justified and made right, they've added pride on top of that. They're, they're really adding condemnation onto condemnation because pride is really an egregious sin against God, which we'll discuss shortly. So, what does the Bible say about pride? These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the first one is a proud look. A proud look that we have when we think that we are something much greater than what God has made us to be. Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. The end of pride is destruction. This is not our ideas. This is God speaking. This is what God hates. This is uh, an egregious sin against Him and Him alone because we are putting ourselves in place of Him being our God. We're in essence making ourselves our God. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. None will go unpunished. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. The arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And that the pride that we have is, is there in us. And you can see this little uh, clip here, the pride that blinds us. Because we often, for the most part, don't even see the pride that is in us. It's not something that we... It's easy to see in others. We can look at some, uh, someone and say, wow, that's a proud person. But the symptoms of that, which we'll discuss later, sometimes we don't see in ourselves. And based upon what we have just read in, in Scripture, and we didn't put all the verses, but these are things that God hates and is against. So in Ezekiel 28, we see a, uh, a prophecy against uh, the ruler of Tyre, and it goes, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, This is what the sovereign Lord says. In the pride of your heart you say, I am a God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you are a mere mortal and not a God, though you think you are wise as a God. And then when you drop down to verse 9, you see the punishment he faces for his pride. It says, Will you then say, I am a God in the presence of those who kill you? You will be a mortal, not a God, in the hands of those who slay you. Um, I think we often feel like we bow down to no one. Um, we're in control of our own lives. We're the gods of our lives. Just as this ruler felt he was the god of his life. And it's very clear that the punishment and the consequence for pride is way more severe than we really ever consider. Um, it's death and eternity away from God. For this king it was death physically but yeah it's eternal death so now i want to try something real quick um be honest when these phrases come up have you ever felt or done whatever they they say you're better than everyone else do you ever think that <laughs> all right <laughs>
You need to stand out, be popular. Okay, no, let's all close our eyes and then answer the question by raising your hand. Let's close our eyes and do this. You need to stand out, be popular. That's better. You don't need to listen to others' advice. You know it all. You only give people the time of day if you feel they deserve it. You praise yourself for doing good things. You do things for the praise of others. You create an image of yourself that will impress people. You worry so much about your appearance and your abilities that you become insecure in your own body. You view yourself in comparison to others to either make yourself feel more superior or inferior. You put people down to pick yourself up and you're unwilling to accept instruction. Okay, you can open your eyes. <laughs> Actually. Dang it, we need this as a way through again. I want you guys to read this um, because we're going to talk about the symptoms of pride. And uh, what we kind of just addressed were very much symptoms of pride. We're going to see what happens when you, when you exhibit pride. So I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked. But it's not like this compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. <laughs> right. So some symptoms of pride. We, we don't even realize it in ourselves. So, with pride comes a lot of things. And, and if you look at your life, you can kind of see these things. And you don't even know why these things are happening, why you have a lack of love. There's often a root cause to the symptoms that is really life being about me. When it's all about me, I lack love for those around me. I easily find faults in others. I see others and I say, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like the way they do it. You find faults. Of course, you don't often see your own faults. It's like the, uh, the scripture you see, you uh, look for the splinter in other people's eye when you have a beam in your own eye. You're unforgiving. You not only find fault in other people, but even if they say they're sorry, sometimes you're like, well, I'm not going to forgive them. They, they did something against me, and I, I hold grudges. I, I don't release things. I have my rights that I hold on to. It's about me. You seek people's praise. You seek their attention. You do things. Sometimes people act out in ways to get attention. Sometimes children act out to get attention. Um, but you crave that. It, that feels good to you because it's feeding that pride within you. And sometimes we separate ourselves. We are independent and isolated. And I don't need anyone. I, I am my own man. I will work my life the way I want it and I'm keeping apart from everyone. Or sometimes people stay away from you because of your pride too. I have gotten what I have gotten by my own works, by my efforts. And, and whether or not my parents helped me or whether or not my school teacher helped me or whether or not God himself helped me, I know that my efforts have been the reason. So I, I don't need to be thankful to anyone. It's me. It's all about me you don't even realize there's others out there. When you're so focused on yourself, you don't see the person who has needs, the person who has problems. No, no, no. Life is about me. How do I succeed? How do I keep myself happy to my utmost? And you don't even look at what other people are going through. I mean, this isn't just pride. This is, we make excuses for everything. But when you have pride in your life, it's like, well... It can't be my fault. I'm, I'm the good guy. I'm the one who does things the right way. Whether in school, at home, uh, you know, it's my brother that did it or my sister. Uh, he's the bad guy. He started the fight. And the ultimate is when we have that self-focus, when it's all about me, there's no room left for God. There's no room for Him to be where He should be in our lives the first and foremost, the highest, the biggest. Instead, the focus is all inward, and that's a problem. So, do you take credit for things? 
There's a, uh, a story that goes, there was a, a couple of ducks and a turtle that lived in the north somewhere, and uh, it was getting cold, and they wanted to fly south for, for uh, summer, and the uh, ducks were like talking to the turtle, we're going to fly south for the summer, huh? okay. Um, the turtle's like, I want to go with you, I, it's going to get cold up here, I want to go with you. Well, we can't carry you, there's no opportunity way to carry you. The turtle's like, wait, if you two hold in your beak um, a stick, and I hold with my mouth a stick, you guys can carry me. Well, that was not going to work. Well, they tried it, and it worked. Sure enough, they're flying south for um, warmer weather, and a farmer's in the field somewhere sees, what is this? That's crazy. Um, And he said, I wonder who thought of that. And the turtle goes, I did. Obviously, he opened his mouth. I hate having to explain jokes, but okay. So he took credit for, it was right. It was his idea, but he just couldn't say, couldn't let it go. I have to say something and wound up killing himself. Um, So I have a story of my own. Um, About three or four years ago, I worked on this big project at work. It took 60, 100 hours of me to put these systems together in this one room and work on it. About three or four months ago, my boss and I are in the room, and um, there's some other people there. And my boss goes, yeah, we put, or he didn't say we. He said, I put this room together, and I was on the other side of the room, and I, my ears perked up. I'm like, I put this room together, I said to him. I did all of this work. You were barely up here. And he goes, well, well I ordered all the equipment. I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah, seriously, you're going to take credit for that when I did the actual work? So that is an instance of both of us expressing, taking credit for things, taking credit for what was done and and. I couldn't let it go. I, I, I could have just stayed quiet. But my pride was like, wait a second. I did the work here. I need the credit. And that's a, a problem that we often have. There's a, another story. <laughs> do, you, do you enjoy being served? Do you appreciate when someone serves? I come home and I say, honey, I want dinner served. And she doesn't like that when I say that. And the kids, when the kids do it, it's even worse. But we want to be served. We don't really want to serve so much. It requires effort on our, our part, but we enjoy being served and, and having all our needs met. It's all about us. Um, and I, I, we said, are you often or do you usually out for yourself? But sometimes are you always out for yourself? Are you always looking out for my needs and not even considering those around you? I just had one of the stories I was thinking. Um, There was a a salesman that went door to door um, and when he went door to door, the way he would nail down the sale of whatever he was selling, he would say to the people, um, well, your neighbor said you couldn't afford this, so I was almost going to pass by. And the people were like, well, my neighbor said, what? And it often had the sales go through because he's telling them, you're not good enough, you're not wealthy enough. And as a point of reference, as a point of making the point, they were like, okay, well, we're going to buy it and just show our neighbor, look, I bought this thing that you think, and he, uh, he probably never spoke to the neighbor to say that, but if you're challenged, sometimes your pride brings that forward and you have to make the point that you can do whatever someone says you can't do. So one of the biggest factors in pride is when we look at each other and we compare ourselves to each other. And we say, well, I'm taller than this person and I'm skinnier than that person and I have more hair than that person. And we make ourselves feel good as a point of comparison when we're it's just a matter of looking at myself and making myself feel good. And if you have someone that does have better hair and is smarter and is better at playing the trombone than me, then 
then, well, there's something else. The, well, his trombone is ugly and mine is nicer. Or you, you, whatever. You can make whatever. You can put people down as you compare people. People that you think are better than you, you put them down. People that are um, not as good as you, you say, well, look at me. I'm better than them. It's, it's not a good thing to do. It, it's, it's the only person we should compare ourselves to is Jesus Christ. And obviously, you can't compare trombone playing because he didn't, never played a trombone. But the things that really matter in life, being loving, being kind, the fruits of the Spirit that Jesus had so much of, being humble, that is what we can compare ourselves to. And the other person we can compare ourselves to is ourselves and say, this is how I was, and where am I now? Where, how have I changed? How have I grown? Am I improving from what I've done? In, in all aspects of life, um, and see where we are. And by the way, if you don't think this is you, you're fooling yourself, because when we asked the questions with your eyes open, we got one hand raised <laughs> in the back where nobody could see. Um, and when all your eyes were closed, we got a whole lot more hands. So if you're not judging others and comparing yourself to others, or if you think you're not, you're just fooling yourself. So I'm going to read this scripture. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who will exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is a, a classic parable that Jesus taught. And, and you can think of how it looked back then. This, the tax collector was such a bad person. And the, and the righteous, holy Pharisee was... I mean, they were both in the temple. That's a good sign. But, but the words that the Pharisee spoke weren't about worshiping God, weren't about his sin or his, you know, how he needed God. It was, it was just a boast that he spoke of. He's praising himself for what he had done. Now, how does this apply to us? How, how do we fall into this sometimes? As Christians, often we think we're better than other people. We think, oh, God has chosen me. I'm, I'm one of his children. Everyone else is a sinner. I'm so much better, which is certainly not the case because all of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God and nothing in us, all the good that we may do, is nothing but filthy rags, according to Scripture. And as children of believers, as, as ones who have grown up in, in church and stuff, you may go to school or go to work and see people that, oh, this guy does drugs, this guy's having sex, this guy's um, doing, having alcohol and partying. And, and look, I am not living that lifestyle. I am I'm keeping myself pure. I am better than they are. Don't, don't fool yourself. You may not be doing sins that are going to hurt you and do harm to you, but are you better than they are? Are you righteous because you're not doing those things? Are you holy because you're not doing No, that's not the case. Righteousness, holiness comes from Jesus Christ. You are a sinner just like them. You are rejecting Jesus Christ, which is the biggest sin you can do and you have pride in your life when you think oh i'm i'm better than them that is a lie that is something that satan is having you believe and is gonna bring you to the pit of hell with satan unless you change your ways so not only that but everyone's susceptible um in mark it reads when he was in the house he asked them and this is jesus what were you arguing about on the road but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be very last and the servant of all. 
Um, in Inspiration Hour last night, uh, Ryan talked about how Jesus was the meekest and most humble person to ever live on earth. And these 12 disciples lived with Jesus through his mission and saw how he carried himself, saw how he acted, and yet even they, after living with him and, and watching him do these incredible things, were caught comparing themselves and wanting to be the best, be better than any of the others. And so these guys who, sh at least in my opinion, should have been as close to Jesus as possible, still had that pride in their life that Jesus needed to get rid of. Um, and so if, if you think that you don't have it, you're missing something because we all, we all have it. And you know, three times in Scripture, three times in the Gospels, it's recorded that they had this argument. It's not like it was once and, and they put it to rest. Three, it was a continual thing in their lives. Who wants to do the best amongst us 12, in, in the bunch of us? And Jesus was like, enough. It is, who is the servant who will be the greatest? I mean, even, even in doing this forum <laughs> just last night, Someone asked who, who did the most, and, and I'm like, well, I did the most. And he's like, no, I did the most. I mean, come on. How, how stupid are we to have a forum on pride and to fight over who's doing the most for the forum? It, yeah, we, 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 this forum is teaching us more than it's teaching you to trust us. So, have you ever, um, I'm sure you've all bitten to an apple. What's worse than finding a worm in your apple? <laughs> Someone said two. That would be worse, yes. But finding half a worm is the worst thing. Now, do I have to explain that joke to you? He needed to explain it to me, so. So I guess okay. I do. Yeah. If you bite the apple and you find half a worm, the other half is in your mouth because you've bitten half the apple. So that's very rad. Um, apples... Occasionally do have worms. I've had apples with worms in them. Usually in the store they don't. It's amazing how they do that. But anyway, if you get it from the field, I used to have an apple tree. You get it from the you'll you'll get worms. Um, at the core is where the uh, worm lies. And then, then the worm doesn't dig into the apple from the outside. What happens is a moth or whatever the bug is puts its egg in the flower before there's even apple and the flower has this egg in it, then the bud forms around it, then the fruit forms around that, and then the egg hatches, and the worm is already inside. From the very beginning, it, it's just like pride. Have you ever seen children, um, young children, that have toys out? If you put a, a child with a few toys out and um, you bring another child in, even if the child is playing with one toy and the other one's available, you're like, whoa, no, no, that one's mine too. And no, that one's mine too. There's just a nature in us to have and want for ourselves to be selfish. It's not something that uh, we, you know, just we see our parents do and say, oh, I, my parents are selfish, I'll be selfish. It is our nature. Um, that selfishness, that pride. It's so ingrained in us, we don't even realize it. It's, it's in, you know, we talked about comparing ourselves and, and all different other things. If you just really look, you will see that pride in your lives. So where did it all go wrong? Well, pride was really established by the fall of Satan. Um, he was an angel, became a fallen angel, solely because he wanted so badly to be equal with God. And so he took that pride, that need to be equal with God, and carried it to us. Adam and Eve were told that they would be as gods, knowing good and evil, if they ate of the fruit. So that choice to eat of the fruit was a direct form of pride, wanting to be like God. So that pride has now trickled down into all of us, into all generations. We all have it, and we all express it in different ways. So then, how can you get rid of something that's so deeply ingrained in you? So now we're going to kind of address how, how 
once you realize you have the problem of pride, is there or how can you correct that pride? So this is what pride looks like. You are massively important, and God doesn't get that much attention. While love and humility looks like yourself not getting as much attention, and God getting all the attention. So, um, what, what the goal is, is to replace the me instinct with a desire to fill it with God and get rid of focusing so much on me. So, where should our pride be broken? Or how? Or how should our pride be broken? And it's at the cross. So, the way God saves and saved was specifically done to break down our pride. Christ came to this earth and in perfect humility died a death to pay the punishment for our sins that we deserved and then rose again, which we could never do. And in so doing, he made it that we can never say that our salvation is through us. But instead, we have to humbly come and accept that the salvation is only through what Christ did for us. So when, when we choose to do that, we're called to always keep Christ first then. And we can't ever let ourselves be number one in our lives. But, I mean, I let that happen all the time. We, we do. And so he was the perfect example of humility himself in that he was God and came and died this horrible death. And then like Phil said, it's his humility that, that we need to emulate. But he makes it so that we can't take credit for any earning our salvation. It is his love and his grace alone. It's not, it's not like doing good enough. If I do good enough, then I'll go to heaven. Then I'll, then I'll earn favor with God. It is only, only, only because Jesus died on the cross, and our sins are washed away. And so we can't ever say, well, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm teaching a forum. I guess I'm pretty good. No. Nothing we do is of righteousness before God. It is His righteousness that is upon us that makes us worthy before God. Any works we do are because we are loving Him and returning that love to Him. So we had that big God and the little me, that's our goal. That's where we want to get um, instead of the big me and the little God. So first of all, you have to place your life in Jesus' hands. You have to have him as your Savior. You have to have him as your Lord. But there's other things we do as well. Um, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, God is infinite. You know, when it says, oh, magnify the Lord... We can't make him bigger. So when he says that, what, what, what does it mean? It means inside our hearts we're magnifying him. Inside our lives, he becomes bigger. bigger. In John 3, verse 30, it says, He must increase and I must decrease. Jesus needs to be our focus, needs to be our life, be our everything. And then our selfish ways will diminish one by one. So praising God is a way to have Him be our focus. You know, when you're in choir, when we're here in gospel singing, and I encourage you guys to come because it's powerful, it's uplifting, the Spirit is working. You know, it, it is a, a wonderful experience and it changes who we are by lifting Him up and putting us less. So, you know, is the opposite of love humility? I mean, it, in the, is the opposite of pride, humility, excuse me. Uh, in some cases, in some ways it is, but I would say that the real opposite of pride is love. And if we look at 1 Corinthians, we see love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is not proud. And, and part of that pride is comparing ourselves, as we said earlier, with others and putting us on a pedestal with others or putting others down. We see all these things are relative to others. It, it does not envy. I, I don't have jealousy and envy over someone if I love them. I don't have, I, I'm not going to boast, you know, it's me, me, me. No, it doesn't, me doesn't matter anymore. God's love in me is what matters. It's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. These are such important things that can only happen when God's love is in us. Another way we can make ourselves smaller and make God bigger is to be in His Word. His Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. I love this kid. He's looking in the mirror and startles himself. In James, it talks about God's Word being a mirror to us as we look into it. God's Word reveals who God is, but if we, if we dig into it and look into it, we see ourselves too, and we see how where we stand or where we fall because we fall short in so many ways. But it, it instructs us then how to live and how to live for Him. So we encourage you, be in His Word. So, is pride ever good? Is there ever any any good pride? This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. All of things which God really gives us. He gives us our wisdom. He gives us our strength. He gives us our riches. We may think we earn by our efforts, but all our blessings from Him. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. What, what should we boast in? What should we be proud of? What should we claim? This is what I am most thankful, most grateful, most proud of. And you know, it's interesting, Sometimes, some people would say any pride is wrong. No pride is good. But according to this, we can boast in knowing the Lord, knowing our Heavenly Father, and knowing His Son, Jesus Christ. And that knowledge is something that you guys all have a little bit of already. But as you get to have that personal relationship with Jesus, it grows and it grows deeper. As you study His Word, as you spend time in prayer, as you counsel with those who want to direct your path according to his word, your knowledge grows and you can boast in the Lord and not in ourselves. So one question we kind of both had when we were studying this was, can you really be confident in yourself or have a positive self-esteem without being proud? Because in our opinions... It was confidence and having a positive self-esteem is still thinking about yourself. Um, What we found was, again, it really always comes back to Jesus and comes back to the cross. And if if you have pride in your life, then you're not thinking about the great thing that Christ did for you. Um, And when you do recognize what he did for you, that confidence or that pride can be replaced with a confidence in him in knowing that he is there for you always and he has gifted you with whatever skills, whatever abilities you have. Um, And it's not about you. It's about how blessed you are by him. You know, sometimes insecurity, I know having felt this way, and as teens often you kind of feel this way, that you are inadequate in some ways or incapable, and, and you, you compare yourself with others. And, and actually, that is kind of a, a form of 
pride because you're thinking about yourself so much. You're saying, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough. And, uh, you know, it's still focused on yourself, which is not where we want to be. So you can say, I can't be pride. I'm insecure. But actually, in some instances, that insecurity is still pointing to me all the time. If, if your heart is all about you, whether it's boasting or whether it's, oh, I'm so poor me, poor me, it's all about you. God wants to change our perspective and turn everything around and have him be the one that we focus on. And, and if we understand that, then we have value. We have great value. Jesus died for us. Well, how much more value can you have than God giving up his life for me personally? He created me. He loves me. We have great value. We shouldn't be insecure, and we ha- dare not be proud. In fact, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So it's not, you know, you know, the proud person say, you know what, I got to stop being so proud. I'm just, I'm not that good. I'm not that good. I'm not that good. It's not that. That's not the way it works. It's true humility, true love is to think less of ourselves and think more of pleasing God and serving God. And then the great uh, commandments are to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. If you are doing those, where does me fit in that? It's not there. It's doing for others. It's thinking about others. It's seeing someone that fell down and not laughing at them, helping them up. It's seeing someone drop their dishes in the lunchroom and not telling your neighbor, did you see Joe? He dropped his dishes in the lunchroom. It's actually going to help them to clean up. It's not, you know, on the track whipping someone's butt because you're faster than them. It's, you know, and, and this is what we talked about too, being competitive. That's, for us guys, that's a whole other realm of, you know, where does pride fit in? Competitiveness is, is kind of built into us too. But, you can be competitive and still be loving. You know, not rubbing in someone's face. I kicked your butt on that track. I kicked your butt on a on basketball court. You are a loser. No, no. You're improving. I'm improving. We're having fun. I won this time. I, am I better than you? Eh, we don't need to go there. We don't even need to talk about that. We don't know who, it doesn't matter who's better. Everyone should look at ourselves and say, am I better than I was the day before? Am I improving my skills, my abilities that God has given me and not, oh, yeah, I'm better than him and that makes me feel good. No, that's not what God wants and that's not, that is pride and that is a problem. And I think this quote goes right back to the the beginning of this uh, killing pride section. Um, You need God to be big and you to be real little. I feel like there's nothing, there's no real fix that anybody could give you for pride. It has to be you committing yourself to thinking of yourself less. And that is the key to it. If you, if you really want to break your pride, um, it has to be you recognizing that you think of yourself way too much and that needs to be fixed. And? Jesus needs to be in your heart to do that. He, you know, a lot of these things Christians still struggle with. You know, you have people of position in the church and people envy in those positions. And this goes on all your life and is a problem. And, and this is not a forum just for teens. This is this good starting point so you see it in yourself and you, you live your life differently because of it. But this is for everyone because it is ongoing. It is, you know, even though we're converted and our nature has changed, that old self is still there. That old worm is still there and causes problems ongoing. And it is a battle that has to be fought over and over again. First of all, it has to be realized, which we often don't even, but it has to be realized and then and fought against. So, we're almost done. Yeah. Um, what what should we 
take away from this. First of all, God hates pride. It is, it is the thing that, that started all sin in the beginning with Satan, with Adam and Eve, and is ingrained in us. It is us against God, basically. We want to be God. We, want, we would never say that, but in essence, I want to control my life. I want my life to be what I want. I don't want God to reign over me. But if we are true and honest with ourselves, we'll know that that is going to end not only in failure, and maybe not. Maybe you'd be have a successful life. You know, you're, you're the master of your household, of your life, of your, everything, and, and success may come your way. But, what, but that's life. That's life 70 years, 80 years, 90 years. And in your heart, you'll know that you are not serving and not meant to be who you're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. And eternity will be hell. So it starts out with understanding that God hates pride and, and we're against him when we have that in our, in our hearts and in our minds and our lights, lives. It's there anytime self is bigger or more important than God is in our lives. And I mean, we've hit this point a whole bunch of times already. And it is the most significant point I think we can make is that if anytime you are putting yourself over God, you are being prideful and, and, Anytime you put yourself over God, you're also distancing yourself from Him. And, and that, that connection, that relationship that I, I would hope a lot of you are looking for and seeking for this week, it's, it's a lot harder to reach. And like he said, this isn't something just for you guys and, and the majority of you that are unbelievers. This is a big thing for believers too because I think... I can speak for everyone that it's in our nature to worry about ourselves more than anything else. And so to really, really be conscious to put yourself down and put God first is essential to having that relationship with Him and, and, that, that, and receiving that love that He can offer. He is Savior when we accept him as savior and, and saves us from hell and from death and from a life without him. But he is also, when we accept him, he needs to be Lord. If we just accept him as savior and don't accept him as Lord, then our lives will not be according to what he has for us. He needs to be Lord and be, be the most important. And, and you have to be honest with yourself and have to see where is pride in my life? Where is that where I am too much about me and it needs to be more about him because it's there. It is. And so, you, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so <laughs> ask God for a heart change um, and accept him as Lord and Savior. That's basically what he just said is um, in order to to break that pride, you need to accept Christ not only as Savior, but as Lord as well, and let Him let Him truly and honestly rule in your life. And then, so if you accept Him as Lord and Savior, you think, well, I've, and oftentimes people who are converted believe, oh, I've reached the top. I'm, I'm, I'm in the group now. I'm part of the family of God. I'm part of the church. That is only a beginning. It's, you know, a lot of times we get confused with that. It's just the first step. You may think it's the last step in the road to repentance, in the road of conversion, but it's the first step in your life with Jesus Christ. And so it's an ongoing thing. Being mindful of that subtle nature that is always in us, always comparing with one another, who's got the bigger house, who's got the bigger car, who plays better badminton, um, probably not many. I might be the best badminton player here. See, my pride just stuck on me again. Anyway, um, it, it's subtle and it's quick 
And it's such a, a, a bad thing because it's all about us and not about him. And then kind of a way to, to constantly be conscious of where you're putting yourself over God. Ask the Lord daily to break down your pride and instead provide confidence in him and in his truth. Um, and I mean, that kind of speaks for itself. Um, but just be conscious of it, be aware of it, look for it, and, and seek out where you can fix it and, and remove it in your life with the help of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, have him work within you and con- confess. You know, we confess our sins, but you know who goes around confessing pride as one of their sins? It is the root of a lot of other sins. Jealousy, hatred, all those things that we may have said in the beginning, murder, all those things that we think are such bad sins, pride doesn't seem like one of them. But it is under all of them for the most part and is the cause of all of them. And if you get the root, if you get the root when you pull out weeds, the weed probably isn't going to come back or at least not as big. If you just pull out the top, the symptom, then that root, that weed's coming right back. So... Um, Be in His Word. Talk to people about your problems, your issues, your pride. Um, Be honest with yourself. Pray about it. And and seek Jesus with all your heart, soul, and mind. Any questions? Any comments? Tell us we did a bad job so our pride is put down. Or just don't mention anything. Or don't even say anything then. I'll probably kept long. No, no questions? We're letting you out five minutes early. So behave when you leave. Thank you for listening. <laughs>